just asked if I would start us out. We just had the most awkward staring ever. That's great. But you... Welcome to Contextualize. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Yeah, we, we meant different things by starting we out, did. I think. So, so ready, We're set, here. go. We are hoping you're having a good Friday. Actually, we don't usually do this on a Friday, so we're either giddy, tired, or That's both. That's what it is. Um, but I hope you're doing well, Christ Community yep. and others who might be listening. Um, so it's been a little bit. As my kids would say, it's been a minute since we have done a podcast. So this is Jim and AJ, and we thought we would, before we jump into 2 Corinthians 6, um, we had a very enjoyable meeting yesterday yeah, afternoon. absolutely. And thought yeah. it would be... Worth sharing. So, in, in fact, and I think I'd like to link it to what we're going to do. So, each of these podcasts, our goal is to just talk about the Word in its context and to ask for God to help it be applied to our life. We'd see Christ in it, and we'd see the application the Holy Spirit would bring into our world today. So, that's what we do. It's pretty simple. Um, we talked yesterday about something related but different. We got together with the pastors from uh, different of the Redstone churches here in the Tri-Cities. You may know of that church. We're thankful for their partnership in the gospel. And we talked not about preaching, right. not about teaching, but we right. talked about church planting. Yeah, We talked about the ways that they've gone about uh, seeing uh, them, both churches, Redstone Johnson City as well as Elizabeth, and be church plants. Um, and they wanted to know our heart for it. And yeah. so I thought I'd just ask you, How'd it go? What yeah. was that? What was that like for you? Yeah, uh, it was it was really quite uh, enjoyable, and I think just um, I think I was most helped and uh, encouraged by it of just thinking of um, church planning in the context of the mission of the church, and like this is it's not just a a thing um, for lack of a better term. It's not um, replicating of an organization so much as it, it's a missional thing of, of planting a gospel-centered, worshiping, gathered community in a different place that's going to gather more and more people into that. Yeah. And so um, I guess it was just it was motivating uh, in, to me in that sense. We did parse out some semantics and said, you know, we're not necessarily wanting to just think about church plant. When you plant the gospel in a new community, you plant a gathered community of believers who, who rest on the gospel of uh -huh. Jesus. And then we talked also about you, you plant the word— yeah. that God has always sent out, never to have it return void, into right. a region. And so when Paul and Titus, Timothy, they would go around, they planted churches in every city in which they went. And so it was about two hours of just yeah. just dialogue of, yeah. of, hey, what are each of our past experiences personally? Right. Or what have been our ecclesiastical church contexts? What are some of our dreams? And it was really the non-agenda meeting of just yeah. hanging out with guys that... that we actually got to know them most recently at the Charles Simeon Trust yeah. Coaching Workshop. Yeah, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, they came, I guess we, we met them in the spring when we did the lunch. Um, but then the, um, well, at least one of them came, um, to the workshop we did. And, um, yeah, I, I think it's just been neat to begin to build some camaraderie, uh, with those brothers, uh, yeah. through the preaching workshop and then through, um, them kind of helping lead some thoughts on, on church and planning as well. And I'll, I'll add to something you shared that, um, I benefited, and, and I would imagine the rest of us did yesterday as well, from just hearing you all talk about different experiences um, that y'all have had in the church planning realm, and just kind of share a little bit of the good, the bad, and the ugly of uh, what have we learned, and um, that kind of stuff. So that was helpful, Cool, um, just to hear those different experiences. Because there were some, that I mean, all four of y'all that really had experience in that were pretty different. Yeah, very different contexts, different parts of the country, different um, models. Kind of models, even. yeah, yeah. So... 
the guys at Redstone don't even know we were going to talk about this. Um, you know, we have thousands of listeners, so we probably should ask their permission. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, Especially anyway. the Redstone pastors. They listen to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do want to say this, and then we'll jump into the text here. Um, it is a blessing when you meet brothers from different denominations, different churches who have a parallel philosophy of ministry as different as our churches are, yeah. maybe in our liturgy or in our communal gatherings or whatnot. It's, it's a joy to partner with others. And the, the neat thing there, too, is to say that we benefit from swapping stories and from learning from each other, and we are challenged by it. And it reminds me of, of how many of our congregants have great friends in different churches around the area. Yeah. So I just want to encourage you to yeah. reach out to folks that are obviously in this community, if you're a part of our church, um, because it's critical. We are a community that wants to be bound doctrinally and wants to be convicted in shared ways as far as our mission and how we love Christ as has been revealed to us in the Word. That's what we want to do locally, but go hang out with others who you yeah. know are are experiencing God's work in and through their, their church context, and they're right. growing, and just iron sharpens iron, just yeah. interact. So I just want to make that pitch to yeah. our congregants as well. Yeah. As, as Paul says in Ephesians 4, there's one faith, one baptism, one spirit, one yep. God and Lord of all. So we get to enjoy and benefit from that unity. That's great. Beautiful. Well, let's jump into, I think we might even see some some uh, right, out, right out of the gate here as we jump in 2 Corinthians 6, um, a connection to that. And so I'll just point that out and then AJ, maybe I'll ask you a question. We okay. can just do our normal yeah. dial, unprepared dialogue here. Um Verse 1 of chapter 6, I circled the first four words because they've probably not jumped out to me the way they did this sure. morning. Yeah. Paul says, working together with him, we appeal then to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. Mm-hmm. So working together with him. Who's him? The Lord. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that Paul starts this chapter and says, yeah. so hey, we work together with Jesus. Yeah. We work to get in fact if you look at the word him in verse 27 of excuse me verse 21 of chapter 5 the him for our sake God made him to be sin who knew no sin that in him that's Jesus we might become the righteousness of God working together with him. Yeah. Yeah. So just this mentality that the apostle Paul has been revealing throughout the book of 2 Corinthians of I have nothing that makes me commendable in your sight. I'm right. not sufficient in my own doings but this is a bold way for him to speak, to say, I am working with Jesus right now in what I do. Yeah. And then we'll see toward the end of this chapter, he's talking about the whole, being the temples of the Holy Spirit. So right. God's working in us. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when that, that idea, even going back to verse 20, where he says we are ambassadors for Christ. And you're just thinking about that word ambassador or that um, role, right? The ambassador does work for and with. Um, the one who sends them. And so, um, but just to think of it in this context, we get to work alongside of, in some sense, we work together with, um, though it's also under um, Christ and his work. And then looking at the back half of that verse, it says, then we appeal to you. And so the working together with Christ is connected to the work of appealing. Yes. You know, it's not, and uh, we're not doing we're not making up what it looks like to work with him, I guess. Um, but Paul's actually isolating something of the work of appealing here is, is connected to that. It's a strong word to appeal to, you know, we've talked about that in weeks past of just the persuasion that Paul would do, um, yeah. the, a strength of conviction. Yeah. And 
I see him not being alone in this. And that's where I would link it to yesterday's time with our friends from across the Tri-Cities of just, we're working together with God who's working in us. And so therefore, we sure as well should be sitting down to talk about, so what's working for you, what's not working, and how can we support you in prayer? Yeah. Um, Because we're working together with him. And so the grace of God has not been received by us in vain. And we want to appeal to others to receive the grace of God. And that does remind me, um, Titus chapter 2. Uh, verse 11 to 14 is one of my favorite places where Paul, when he's writing a letter to Titus, he, he conveys that the grace of God, it it does some powerful things. It mm-hmm. brings salvation, mm-hmm. but it also leads us to renounce ungodliness. So by grace we've been saved, but also by grace we are sanctified yeah. and made holy. Yeah. And so you have just Paul kind of, I think that's a summary word for him in some regards, but now we appeal to you to not receive the grace of God in, of vain. God in vain. Right. Yeah, and that would seem to be connected even to the word uh, in a favorable time, which he then quotes as from Isaiah. Uh, but the word favor and grace um, seem to be parallels there. And then he, he goes on with that at, at the end of verse 2. Um, yeah, this is the time. This is the favorable time. This is the time of grace. Behold, now is the day of salvation for those who receive, hear, mm-hmm. believe the message about God in Christ that right. Paul has been an ambassador of Jesus to be the one out conveying that word. Yeah. And so, right, he's going to go and, all right, verse 3, we put no obstacle in anyone's way. So he's talking about his his ministry, their, their ministry, um, in many ways that they've been faithful, um, right? They commend ourselves in every way. And then he gives this litany, starting in verse 4, uh, that really, I mean, that carries through to the end of verse 10. And he, he talks about a great number of things, but just some at the beginning that go together, right? Endurance, afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labor, sleepless nights, hunger. So all of those things. Now, how, I don't know, how, how are those things connected? I guess, obviously for Paul, but even thinking about us today, like ministry wise, how do those things relate to ministry? Well, before I go there, just want you to know, I can't, I can't get away from those first four words, working together with Jesus. Uh-huh. This Paul's life has a parallelism to the incarnate incarnation of Jesus and his suffering. And so he's got this cruciform life, I think is what he said, I had to die to myself. And so that's probably the link I would take there Mm -hmm. is Jesus says, you know, those who follow me, they lay down their life. They die to follow me. And so Paul is essentially saying, I think where I would parallel it is uh, I haven't received countless beatings or imprisonments for being a preacher of the gospel. It could happen. Yeah. But I know that I'm called to die to then be ready to endure whatever would come because of the affinity and the partnership we have in the gospel with Jesus. Yeah. And so it could be anything. I mean, yeah. certainly there's the, the the grief, the trials, there's the cost relationally when you enter in to help people reconcile in the gospel if they are not reconciled. I mean, and you can lose friends and you yeah. can... So all those things yeah. have happened in ministry, at least to me, and I'm sure they have to you. And and they can happen. And yeah. there could be physical risk as far as just lack of safety. Um, but I don't think we're called to say, I need my life to look identical to Paul. Yeah, like um, don't, we don't have to pursue after No, no, but, but when he transitions from the description of all he was willing to give up, all that he suffered, because he uh-huh. died to himself to be, again, working together with Jesus, then he goes on to, to, to spin it toward, how am I doing that? Uh-huh. Well, I, my, my life is about purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, truthful speech. I'm fighting with Jesus with mm-hmm. weapons of righteousness. Yeah. Yeah. So these imprisonments and beatings and things he's endured are not because he decided to fight back 
mm-hmm. by the means by which humans would fight against humans. Yeah. And that's a powerful thing to show. And right. I think that does relate to our life. Yeah. When it, I think even just connecting that idea of fighting with the very first word he uses in that litany of by great endurance that, and in a lot of ways for us as believers, like to fight is to endure. Um, and it's to endure whatever, you know, and it could be any number of things. Um, it could look like Paul's for some, it could look like a different set of things, but um, we endure life in this world. Um, we endure temptation. We endure a world that is set against and hates the Lord. Yeah. And uh, we endure uh, temptations to be unfaithful in ministry. Uh, we have to endure all those things, but that's, that is fighting, but it's maybe a different kind of fighting. Yeah. Than, what we might not normally think of not caving to lust and laziness and yeah. all those things that is to to be fighting the battle and i would um remind folks who were worshiping with us sunday this was a text that i shared in giving an example of how the new testament uses fighting battle language yeah as i was preaching from first samuel 11 yeah so uh which i've had many folks want to talk about yeah. the battle that mentality of we are in a fight and yeah. The, the enemy wants to disgrace the people of God. And so you have Paul, I think, then going into that type of battle when he says in verse 8, there's honor and dishonor, mm-hmm. slander and praise. Mm-hmm. People call us imposters. You know, we, yeah. disgrace is one of the things that are at stake yeah. in this battle. Yeah. And so fighting with the identity that God's given us, that we're partnering together with him who was disgraced because our sin was cloaked on him. That's chapter 5, verse 21. Yeah. Um, that's the battle yeah. that I think Paul is yeah. is going to. Yeah, see this um, kind of jumping from that idea. How um, are there any any things that have helped? Um, and you can take this any direction, but <laughs> any things that have helped you specifically, uh, kind of strengthening you for that endurance, or um, encouraging you and motivating you towards that end, or I don't know. Just are there any things that have been a particular help, uh, just kind of on a personal level with that? Yeah. What comes to mind is early in ministry, I I was struggling with the way that maybe I was trained in ministry or maybe it was just the way my heart interpreted some of the training of I wanted to be good and strong, a good and strong leader. And I think that what comes to us as one of the central tenets of Second Corinthians is that no strong faith is for weak people. If you want to be a leader who endures, you have to understand just how fragile you are, how weak you are, how yeah. much wisdom you don't have. Right, yeah. Um, and I would say, AJ, the moments where I actually believe that God's going to allow Jim Powell to endure to the end is when I act, absolutely think I'm going to be crushed. I can't, yeah. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. And it's the opposite where I realize I'm not trying to endure at all. I'm not even caring. It's when I'm with white knuckles, I'm holding on to something that I have to either keep control of yeah. or I have to fix because I'm messing up. And as soon as I go into the realm of being my own solution yeah. or my own strength to endure, I am so far from actually enduring. Yeah. Because we believe in the preservation of the saints, not in the performance of the person who's going to be sustained yeah. and so yeah I, I, it's just it's, it's a reverse theology so I right. guess a, not reverse theology but um, <laughs> I need a, aware of your own weakness. an inverse mentality yeah. of yeah. I'm only really going to experience the endurance Paul describes here when I let go yeah. of trying to protect myself or trying to justify to others that I'm doing a good job or that mm. no it's 
enduring is looking at my children and saying, I can't believe that I'm not more like your father in heaven. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a father in heaven type dad on earth. But I need him to be who he is too. And so those are the moments where I think mm-hmm. endurance is happening. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's that's really good. Um, How about you? That's, well, I was just thinking recently, um, you know, we've been in Ephesians, which I feel like I mentioned a lot on here, but uh, I will. Um, it's the, the subliminal Ephesians podcast. <laughs> you talk about the sermons, I talk about Ephesians, you know. Um, but it, it's just something on my mind a lot. And um, I mean, throughout Ephesians, there's a couple key points where he just talks about being strengthened. And one that especially relates to this, right? It's a well-known passage at the end of Ephesians in chapter six, where he talks about the putting on the full armor of God. And that obviously has the war mentality and endurance. Like it's, it relates to this. But Also mentioned in the Sermon on Sunday. Go ahead, go. carry on. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but he starts that out in verse 10. He says, finally be strong or and it could also be translated be strengthened in the lord and in the strength of his might and i just i share that because i think similar to what you just shared um there's sometimes when i'm more conscious of that and sometimes when i'm less recently i've been more conscious and aware of that and just praying both for myself and for uh, my, my children and others like god we need your strength and i need your strength and just asking for that, like very specifically, like, God, please strengthen me or God, please strengthen my daughter. Please strengthen this person's faith as they're walking through this trial of faith. And I think just realizing that and, and then, I mean, it's like what you said, it's connected to humility, but um, knowing that his is the strength and not mine. And I, I need to ask for it a lot. Um, that's been kind of present lately. Yeah. And we're going to get there in this book. But Second Corinthians 11, Paul's going to say, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast of the things that that show my weakness. And he's going to go into he's going to talk about the thorn in his side he, in chapter 12. And he's, he's going to say, my, you know, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power. My strength is perfect mm-hmm. in your weakness. And yeah. so when you say praying for other strength, like the only strength that they can know is when they realize how weak that they are. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. the posture of a believer. And so when you ask like what maybe approach or what things have I learned early in ministry, I taught a series that I, I titled strong faith is for weak people. And it came out of this book mm-hmm. and it was this sad recognition that I knew so many people who were described by others as strong Christians that was just a description. Like, I, I, I want to be a strong Christian. Or that boy, AJ, he, he's a really strong Christian young man. I don't want to be described as a strong Christian. I don't think Paul would want to be described yeah. as a strong Christian. He actually says, I only know the strength of Christ when I am weak. Therefore, yeah. in, in I boast in my weakness so yeah. that I might be able to claim the power of God. And I think that's when we end up finding that God would enable us to endure. Um, if yeah. anybody here listening, all few of you, wants to see a window into the old, the, the early gym. Back in 2006 and seven, I created, I was blogging. And my, my blog title was Weak Christian. And it's a WordPress blog, it's still out there. You know, I saw that recently. Did you really? Not, not the blog itself, but it, It's yeah, terrifying. The, the link, I was like, oh. Yeah, so I blogged almost every single day or week for those years in the church planting time frame. And it was just my own, I was. I don't think I was trying to be cool. I stopped doing it, but I was trying to meditate on weakness, that I would experience strength that would be would hold me. 
The reason I stopped, though, is I recognized I really had no much weakness in my life. So mm. what, why should I be writing about what weakness is so that I can know strength when I really probably just need to shut my mouth and stop my fingers from typing and turn to God and his gospel in yeah. the weaknesses that I know? So I stopped doing it. But yeah. it was yeah. part of the journey of endurance for me. Right. And it has still held yeah. as part of that journey. Yeah, came out of this book right here, Second Corinthians. Neat. Well, we won't make it to the end of this chapter, and that's fine, because no. there's a little bit of a turn in 14. In 14. Yeah. But I do want to share something that connects to Maybe we can pick up with it next time. Okay. Um, first of all, in 11 to 13 is interesting, because Paul is still saying to those he's writing to, like, our heart's wide open for you. Mm-hmm. And he says, I want to talk to you like little children. In return, widen your hearts also toward us. So, yeah. again, back to us hanging out with some pastors yesterday. Like, what would it look like for us to widen our hearts mm-hmm. to others who are partnering together with Jesus doing so maybe differently or similarly than we are, but we can grow. And so I see that being kind of the call in verse 11 to 13. But verse 14 is important to me <clears throat> before we <clears throat> close up. Paul jumps into this, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. We'll talk about that in its context mm-hmm. next time. For what partnership uh, has righteousness with lawlessness? What stood out to me this morning is Paul starts this chapter talking about our working together with Jesus. Are partnering with Jesus yeah, interesting. and appealing Good. to others by the grace they've received to partner with us. And then he goes into saying, so be really careful who you partner with. Yeah. And I don't think this is not about marriage. I mean, we could apply that to marriage. But right. It, it, it could be about commerce. It could be about your friends. It could be about your life. We're called to be evangelists to a world that doesn't know God. But who are you partnering with? Mm-hmm. And Paul has such deep conviction saying, hey, would you all partner with us? Because I'm partnering with Jesus. Yeah. Now be careful who you partner with. So that, that just stands out to me as sort of the methodology of the apostle who was an evangelist is on mm-hmm. full display here. Yeah, that's that's great. And I'm just thinking about, and maybe we'll save it for next time, but how that connects back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 um, when he talks about sexual morality because he makes the same yep. same argument there. And so maybe we can kind of Let's unpack do that. that. Let's with unpack that. Next time. Um and I'll just add uh, from ver- verse 12, when, when I was reading it just before we got on here, I just highlighted it because it, it really stood out. You're not restricted by us. And, you know, Paul speaking as an apostle, as the minister, like you Corinthians are not restricted by us and our ministry to you, but you are restricted in your own affections. And I think and I just I need to kind of sit and think on that some more um, and, and even look at it in context more. But. Yeah, so I don't have much thought to say about it, but it stood out and just, I don't know if you have anything you can add. But. No, but I think just principally, and I'll use the parenting realm, I can't restrict my children's affections. Yeah. I don't have any power over their heart. Yeah, I can talk to them about it. and I am called by the Holy Spirit at work in me, though, to restrict my own effect, affections and yeah. how things come out of me. And so I think what Paul is also saying is in our partnership that we have in the gospel together, if you're working together with Jesus... Then he's at work in you, which is where he's going to go, starting in verse 14, and about the temple of, yep. of the living God, and, and inside of you is God working. That means that we're, we're self-restrictors of the yeah. passions of the flesh, as well as passions that would push against others. Um, and he's not trying to bind their conscience and make them his own ambassadors. Yeah. We're all together ambassadors right. of Jesus. So, right. It's a good section. Yeah. Well, um, this is good. This is good. We will see you all. I don't know about, we'll see you soon sometime. But uh, in the meantime, be weak, be strengthened, 
And may God's strength help us all to endure. So I dare anyone listening to this, meditate on verse 1. I'm going to do it. And if someone says, how you doing? You start out your answer to their question going, well, working together with Jesus, I am. That's what Paul does here. You know, how's your week going, Jim? Well, I've been working together with Jesus, and here's what he's doing in my heart, and here's how that's looking as I'm living a life of repentance and faith. So there's our challenge. That's good. That's good. All right. right. Have a great week. See ya. Weekend.